grown men. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dom. Episode 50-something. 55? Yeah. I felt like with that little melodic intro, we were going to start like doing some tap dancing, <laughs> little Broadway action. No, I refuse. <laughs> we'll leave that to Hamilton. And to uh, Channing Tatum. And Channing Tatum. In, in the new uh, Coen Brothers movie. Oh, many. Uh, so many timely pop culture references we're dropping right now. Um, we are drinking a Mazama Brewing beer mm-hmm. uh, to do our little fake sponsorships. Uh, it's a, a Belgian, what does that say? It's a Belgian-style blonde. Belgian-style. I can't read it because it's in like this funky script. Mazama comes from uh, somewhere in Oregon. Um, uh, oh, Corvallis. Yes. comes from Corvallis, Oregon. What do you think of this beer, Dave? It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, so that was our fake sponsor. I was actually considering asking Phil if he could do uh, a little fake sponsor musical drop for us. Oh, that would be great. And then someday we can use it for, you know, the real sponsors. For real sponsors. <laughs> when, when, when one of you wonderful people decides to advertise on our podcast. Yeah, for fuck's sake, advertise with us. <laughs> I don't think that's going to get us any any new, uh, new money, Tom. <laughs> advertise with us or I'm going to come to your house and kill you. Uh, which is kind of what Caleb does to Mona in tonight's ep- in yesterday's episode of Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. So hey, uh, right off the bat, um, we need to ask our listeners: uh, Should we remember a time in which Caleb and Mona kissed, or is this or like, we're or we're dating? Yeah, something. We need to consult the Pretty Little Liars shipper wiki. To see if that was a real thing, because I do not remember. The pretty little wiki. Um, yeah, neither do I. Uh, there's part of me that feels like maybe at some point Caleb might have told Hannah about something with Mona. I don't remember. I think this is, maybe I'm totally wrong and this already happened on the show, but what I'm guessing is he hooked up with Mona after splitting up with hannah maybe yeah. right which would be like a, a horrible thing for him to do sort of because they used to be best friends that'd be a really horrible thing to do i feel like that'd be that'd be like the worst but it it seems like something that the show is going to tell us unless I, uh, this is already canon and we are just not remembering yeah but the way that the way that mona used it to talk to caleb um makes me feel like she was threatening him. I agree. Um, uh, she always has, you know, Mona always has a comeback prepared. But you know what is, what's really great about this? And this is why I I don't I don't like how these characters are so quick to to villainize Mona despite the fact that I think that for the most part she is sincere and espe- you can see it when not only when she um, talks to Spencer about Spencer's mom being sick, but also when Caleb confronts her and the first, like the Mona's first response is very um, seemingly sincere. And as soon as Caleb threatens her, you see like the change in her eyes where she's like, Oh fuck. Now I got to like, Be, now, uh, now I got to yeah. respond in in an equal way yeah i think i think his his sort of 
operating behind the liar's backs and being this loose cannon is going to create problems for him and for them down the line Mm -hmm. because we already saw him before corrupting the new villain's computer and putting a a video of himself on there. Yeah. Which really shows his hand. uh, And no one knows that he's done that. So that's bad. That's true. It really puts him in a vulnerable position and it creates potential leverage against him. Especially when uh, he just lectured Spencer on uh, how as soon as he does anything, a bunch of red alarms are going to go off. Red alarms. A bunch of alarms are going to go off. Right. And they're going to know that something's happening. Right now, he's just a fly in the wall, but he's already proven he's not just a fly in the wall. Right. Well, dealing with different villains, but yes, that's a good that's a good point. He seems very focused on this particular thing and behaving differently. Wait, so then, the then let's back up to pr- last week's episode, wherein somehow through the through Avon's phone, he was able to find his way to New A's computer. No. That was to the rival Yvonne's mother's campaign's cloud. And so he was seeing opposition research from them. It was not, he was not getting into any A business. Then what what was that video about? That video was a separate thing on the hard drive that he sent. Oh, the hard drive, right. Yes, the fake hard drive that he was shipping off to New A. I need, I need. Maybe maybe we should turn this into a recap podcast because I'm forgetting everything. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's so let's let's scroll back. Uh, this episode opens with uh, Hannah and Jordan in some random romantic uh, hotel that they landed on after just drive anywhere, just keep driving. Yeah. Uh, in the previous episode, and so they landed. Yeah. So they found like the cheesiest, cheapest. Sleaziest motel they could find, right? And this is, uh, I think, we should bring up. This is the second time the show has opened with uh, one of the liars and her uh, partner, romantic partner, you know, in a bed together after doing sexy times and about to do more sexy times. Yeah. So this has like become a very adult show very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at it. No, I just, I just think. I mean, they're adults. Let's. I think it's worth pointing out that in two of the episodes we've seen so far, it it opens with characters in bed together. Well, this is the one thing that the show is obviously driving home, which is that these are adults now, because not they only they have sex and they drink. Exactly. They they <laughs> they have they always have drinks all the time, which I I appreciate that. I mean, it's you know if you're gonna if you're gonna hang out with your friends and talk about stuff, you might as well have a drink with you. Have a brisky. Uh, um. And, you know, and Caleb's mature now because he drinks microbrews, as Hannah pointed out. Uh, uh, you know, and also uh, props to Jordan, who apparently can get a, an erection in, like, no time whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, like, auto boner as soon as <laughs> Hannah climbs on top of him. Um, yeah, that was, like, an awkwardly... That was an awkwardly... Uh, uh, blocked... Uh, <laughs> is that is that the is that the technical term? Blocking the scene? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not... not, not Cock blocking. <laughs> there's, there's a. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to edit some of that. Some of this extensive laughter from the. I'm about to use the phrase "pushing rope," which I learned from Archer. When. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yes, they're adults now. They do adult things. 
so we <laughs> we open on uh, post smushing, pre more smushing, and then and then meanwhile smash cut to um, two of the liars exploring. Oh, back to Arya and Spencer where we picked up picking up from last week mm-hmm. where they've discovered this whole wild uh, ancient Radley asylum Radley section uh, that's just all still there and just and just you know the the secret passage is in sarah harvey's hotel room yeah which allows sarah to uh, avoid the security cameras right by sneaking out the back or supposedly and they also find um they're sort of uh the shock the fake shock experiment machines that they were subjected to uh back when they were being held captive in the dollhouse is that what that is or is it just old school shock treatment gear i i imagined it um as similar to the contraptions that they were using last time Mm -hmm. because now maybe i'm wrong but the way that i imagined what that what happened with those tests or experiments last time is similar to and i was saying this during the um when we were watching it, it's the experiment that Stanley Milgram conducted back in the 60s, I think, where basically he had, and there's actually a new movie, it's on Netflix, um, it's a biopic uh, called Experimenter, um, which I haven't watched, but I've heard really good things about it. Uh, basically, he conducted tests where he would bring people in and put them in front of in, pr- in front of these sort of um, like buttons or, or latches uh, or whatever, the, the lever. Um, and he would tell these volunteers, um, you know, whenever I tell you, you need to flip this switch and it's going to be connected. I, I can't remember, but I, I think he's like, it's going to be connected to somebody in the other room. Um, but you just, no matter what you hear, just do what I just do what I'm telling you to do, and, you know. And he he's he's a doctor, and he's wearing doctor clothes on purpose. He ap- ap- appears to be an authority figure, and so the the he would start telling people to do it to flip the switch. And every time they'd flip the switch, they'd start hearing in the other room someone screaming in pain, and so they would so the, these volunteers would eventually link what they were doing to people in the other room who were in pain. Now the people in the other room were just actors or other fellow scientists and they weren't actually getting hurt. And it was an experiment supposed to basically test how people respond to authority. Um, Even though they know they're hurting somebody, they'll still keep flipping the switch or still keep pressing the button because there's someone important, an authority figure who's telling them to do it. Right. Even though they know that they're basically hurting somebody. Um, That's what I think was going on in the dollhouse. Okay. Yeah. Well, because none some of them were of that. right. Cause none of them were actually being, none of them were actually torturing the other mm-hmm. is what we, yeah. They all just thought they were, it was all an elaborate yeah, scheme in order to get them to pick who basically, who basically to hurt. Right. And this comes back. This little device comes, does come back in the end of the episode in the a scene where we see somebody in, uh, blue medical gloves, uh, cleaning it up, polishing it up. And I would say that person is Sarah Harvey. I mean, it makes sense. I can't think of anyone else who it would be. And this is a situation where the show has sort of presented us with the obvious answer. Uh, I mean, there is the issue of her, her hands being injured, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they're actually injured because 
of the first of all the just the fact that of course they're not uh and then <laughs> second um just the parallels to season one and jenna and jenna's vision yeah you know so it seems very natural that she would be faking this injury mm-hmm. or faking this this uh disability uh and come back and be and who else would have access to this space and know about it besides sarah harvey right right so i think she i think those are the hands we see at the end whether that means she's the new big A or she is just working with that person uh, or what, I don't know. But I think the fact that she was working with Charlotte in the first place and now Charlotte is dead, I would say that she is either continuing Charlotte's work or working against her. And one thing that came up in this episode was, which I was happy to see the show try to think about, was motivation. Mm -hmm. And the question was, this person thinks we know who killed charlotte and they want revenge on that person and they want they think we're responsible or involved and want our help so it's like this misconception potentially that the liars were involved in charlotte's murder Mm -hmm. and the whole thing is being done based on that misunderstanding which is kind of interesting and seems maybe like an unrealistic motivation to me um but it's something that Charlotte or something that Sarah Harvey would probably believe. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, this is maybe probably, maybe probably, this is probably, um, an incomplete thought. Uh, well it is, but it's probably doesn't have any real evidence behind it, which is that who would, who would, who would be allied with Charlotte enough to want to avenge her murder. Right. Um, and the only people we know would be are, are Sarah Harvey, Allison, uh, maybe Rawlings. The doctor. The doctor. And that's it. That's all well, I can think of. Well, yeah. I mean, so something else that comes up in this episode. So one of the other, I don't know how much scene-to-scene recap we need to do this episode, but uh, one of the things that came up is the liars talk to Allison and start telling her about all this shit that's been going on. Mm-hmm. And it comes up that or Allie has this information about the murder weapon from Tanner back on the show again. Yeah. Uh, don't like her at all. Uh, but Allie has this information about the nature of the murder weapon, which is this very particular metal object, which is not a golf club. Right. And Allie tells them that. And then Emily says, Oh, why? Wow. Are we being, are we being punked right now? This image of the golf club? Is this all, this is all bullshit? Like, what does that mean? And we don't really get a good sense of, wait, yeah, it does sound like they're being punked or that Tanner has false information or is giving false information because she is, you know, I don't think we ever saw her actually being a corrupt character previously. Uh, but it was always, it always sort of felt like she wasn't necessarily, um, above the line. Well, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I, I want to back up and talk about Tanner because I'm kind of mystified that she's still on the show. Yeah. Why, why For a five years later would she be on this case? Well, so I always thought that Charlotte, when Charlotte was explaining her grand scheme in, uh, the end of last season or the, at the end of six a that Charlotte implied that Tanner was in on it because didn't Charlotte's basically say, you know, that she's like, she's 
basically controlling the controlling no i think you know we would have to watch it again um but i think what happened was sarah harvey lied and said that tanner is coming or uh tanner couldn't respond or i think that part of the exchange was sarah lying about what was really going on because she was working with charlotte um but said she had had some interaction with the police okay well then okay then regardless even if tanner isn't and I, I'm colluding I'm, with. I'm sorry to our listeners that we don't have that I don't have a more encyclopedic memory of this show's like five bazillion twists and turns. But we're doing our best, and we, I hope you'll hang in here with us. Well, yeah, I mean, if if you wanna if you wanna get angry at us uh, about not knowing the plot inside and out, then uh, engage with us on Twitter or some other place because any engagement is good engagement in my mind. Um, also. Okay, regardless of whether or not Tanner was colluding with Charlotte, Tanner still botched the whole uh, investigation. For sure. uh, When the liars basically got them uh, all put in jail and then subsequently got them kidnapped and put in the dollhouse. Right. Uh, And so she's not only was she wrong, but she was uh, tragically wrong, uh, probably unethically wrong. And yet now, not only is she back to basically the same case, but she's being an asshole about it. Right. She has the gall to approach Emily (laughs) in the coffee shop, be super patronizing, and be like, hmm, you know, there were no murders here for five years, but new ladies come back, and all of a sudden, murder city. That seems really funny to me. (laughs) Mm, I'm going to try to keep you all here in Rosewood till I get to the bottom of it. And it's like, yeah, maybe you should be a little more sympathetic to the people whose lives were ruined by a psychopath. Also, if you're a detective, um, you know what the way to not get any answers is to uh, basically make the people who you need information from hate you right. because they'll definitely work with you right like, right yeah there's no like good cop bad cop at all it's just like yeah i'm just going to be mean to you yeah for someone who apparently has a lot of experience being a detective she fucking sucks at it right so this was the other where's thing. lorenzo he, he's if he's taking pointers from her he's screwed right well so this was the other this was the other thing in this episode is that there were a lot of moments where the characters were just annoying and I don't think that makes it a bad episode, it, but it just happened to be one where a lot of characters were acting in ways that were very aggravating. Um, <laughs> Hannah gets really fed up at uh, Jordan because he kind of disappears. He goes downstairs to use the Wi-Fi, he says, and he comes back with this mystery meal, which Hannah didn't order, which turns out to be some kind of new A threat about mm-hmm. poor Jordy. Uh, but Hannah, of course, like takes this out on him instead of taking a breath and you know trying to she's trying to protect him but then it also creates a op, creates a, a moment where she pushes him away yeah and it's it's something that is part of her character and it's something that she's always done mm-hmm. but you know one would think okay maybe you should recognize that this is not a, a helpful coping mechanism i guess it is honest to her character but it was annoying to see like okay here's a way in which this character hasn't grown right Right. And I and I think you're right. Like, you know, that's it's it's definitely uh appropriate for her character. Um there was something about it which was so obstinate that was just barely tolerable to the point where 
Jordan is like a friggin' angel because she's saying things that make no fucking sense whatsoever in any logical manner, and he's just like, but it's okay. Like, I'm not going to fake it. Uh, English accent, but it's okay, little lady. <laughs> that was a really. It's bad. okay, mate. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> well, we, we're both really we, bad at we this. We shouldn't do this. <laughs> this is the last time you're going to hear an accent. Throw a shrimp on the Bobby, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time you're going to hear an accent. I'm pretty little grown man. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he is like this this perfect angel boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, and he gets you know just just dragged through the mud because Hannah, for whatever reason, doesn't want to tell him. That he's under threat, that he's in trouble. Which seems- I mean, she could have literally shown him the eggs and been like, "Do you see this? This is a real thing. What the hell?" Yeah, look, look, your your little egg eye just got a fork in it. Stick a fork in your egg eye. You're done, Jordo. But really, uh, for apparently having a really open relationship, and he knows everything. Like he, he already knows everything. He doesn't need any background, right? I, I would think that Hannah would be like, yeah, you need to be careful because you, you, your life was just threatened. I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess one of the interesting things about this season from the sort of characterization uh, perspective versus like the mystery suspense perspective is like, okay, what secrets are these characters choosing to keep? Uh, how are they How are they falling into old habits or how have they not changed mm-hmm. versus how are all these, how have they all grown up? Over time, and this was actually an episode where uh, Caleb, in talking to Spencer, uh, or no, in talking to Hannah, right, is like, "You are going to beat this thing because you're older yeah. and smarter," and just sort of explaining the themes of the season, you know, uh, making them literal. <laughs> um, but it's it is interesting. This was like kind of the one of the first episodes, not one of the first episodes, but you know, it was a little bit of a stronger theme where you had these characters sort of making mistakes, doing things that seem like bad decisions, uh, not necessarily being grownups. By contrast, I think Spencer did a really good thing by not confronting her mom and coming at her with this new information that Caleb gets Mm -hmm. uh, from this phone hack situation. About her still being sick. Yeah. Um, Yeah, which at the time I wasn't totally convinced, but you, you made a good point in that... Um, at the at the very at the very worst, the the opposing side of of the election leaks these documents, these medical these medical records, which are illegal for them to have, and yet somehow they do. Yeah, right. Um, which I, I that that kind of confused me. Where it's like it it's illegal for them to have these records. But Caleb's worried about deleting them and appearing to do something illegal. It's like, well, if if the opposing side were to press charges on Caleb for um, for like cybersecurity malfeasance, then they'd have to admit that what they did was illegal anyway. So they right. well, so you it, think that they would like keep it they would keep it all secret anyway. Right. Well, it creates this whole it sort of creates this whole shitstorm where Caleb has access to this thing and if he does anything, then they can they can the other campaign can say, "Well, we were hacked." And we don't they don't have to say what documents it was. Yeah. Uh, and the other side can say, "Yes, we hacked them, but they had these illegal documents." So 
like no one looks good in that situation. Right. So I understand why Caleb would be like, listen, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. And yet, uh, so the Mo- let's talk about the Mona interactions in this episode. Uh, so Spencer encounters Mona. And this is such a great shot. Mona's like looking in a mirror in some store mm-hmm. and she sees Spencer walk in in the background and without turning around, she goes, hello, Spencer. <laughs> you know, it's just like this sort of classic. It was an interesting moment to me because it showed Mona not necessarily having the upper hand, but just like being lucky enough to have the mirror in her hand so that, so that she could do it without turning around instead of acting surprised. And that felt like, Maybe I'm reading into this too much, but that felt like what the character of Mona was in this episode, where she wasn't necessarily the person who was like the super genius, who was all knowing, um, but she was acting as if she was Mm -hmm. that knowing and confident. Yeah. Uh, So she has this conversation with Spencer where Spencer says, listen, I'm just going to be blunt and ask you and not stretches out for three episodes. Yeah. Uh, And they get through this idea that Mona set up the phone situation so that. Spencer could find out that they have the other team has uh, Spencer's mom's medical records. Yeah. Now that is incredibly elaborate. What would be even more elaborate. And I hope what actually happens for plot purposes is that this is all a Mona setup and she's evil. Mm-hmm. If she is in fact trying to do a good thing, um, then I'm actually confused as to what her motives are. So this is, this kind of was also strange to me because when Spencer picked up the phone, I thought that that was out of character because I feel like Spencer's too smart to be easily entrapped like that. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then on top of that, you have Mona, who, super genius as she is, can anticipate that what she contrives as far as the situation to get those files into Spencer's hand is that... Spencer will pick up this phone, which is already out of character. So you have like two things that just don't make sense to me. I disagree that it's out of character. Really? Because I, I, I feel like it's stupid. It's a stupid thing to I do. I don't. I think for us watching the show, it feels stupid. I think if you're Spencer and you haven't thought about these things in five years and you're not like thinking you're in a James Bond film again, <laughs> I, I don't think you were thinking at that level. I mean,. I think your argument is totally reasonable, mm-hmm. um, but I was not bothered by it. I'll okay. put it that way. I mean, yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm, you know, picking at tiny scabs. Here no, I, 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 it's worth picking at, and that's why. I mean, it's, it's nice if there's something on the podcast that we can disagree on, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't bothered by it. I, yeah, I was bothered more by Caleb not thinking, man, this is really easy. Maybe this is a trap, and it was smart of him to not like delete the file or whatever and be like, yeah. yeah, that would actually be really stupid. Yeah. But I do agree that it was very mature of Spencer to sort of just like let her mom just do her thing. Just, just move along. Yeah. Cause she has this moment where she's talking to her mom and her mom is really happy about doing the campaign and she could have pushed and been like, uh, what's going on with your health? Mm-hmm. You know, is there something you want to say to me? And she doesn't. And it's like, you know, her mom's an adult Clearly, she knows about this medical, you know, she's handling this medical situation. The thing I thought was going to come up is that the records would be fake and that the whole thing would be a trap and it would blow up in some kind of crazy way. But if we take it all at face value, um, you know, I thought it was actually very mature for Spencer to be like, you know what? My mom's happy and I'm just going to let her deal with this thing as an adult. And that's okay. Yeah. I thought that was like a really nice moment, actually. Yeah. 
But as far as uh, other characters who aren't so mature, uh, we had a sort of C plot with Arya and they're Ezra. Like, they're like five. This, this was like the first episode that was too plotty. Yeah. There was so much going And there weren't even any real guest stars. Um, but it was like when you bring Allison and Mona back into it and Fitz. Yeah, there was a lot. It was like this was the first episode where there was like too much going on. Yeah. So the the the. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Arya because I think that she's a stupid character and I don't and I hate her. We but, could just we could just skip the Arya plots entirely. Well, but the the stupidest thing about it, I think, is that Arya. First of all, uh, Arya. One of the like the, the one of the big things she says at the beginning of the episode is um, she makes a comment about how the, their lives are feeling toxic, and yet she's the only liar who is legitimately keeping a lot from close people in her life. Right. That was a really intense and totally unself-aware moment. And another character probably should have said that. Well, but I feel like this is becoming Arya's whole personality or her her whole character in general is just that, like... Denialist. Yeah. She's turning into a character who's completely bent on... Um, acting smart but being stupid, mm-hmm. or pretending to be smart but proving that she's an idiot, because or immature. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know because I feel like there's a difference between maturity and stupidity. Because I think that, like, even if she's immature, she should know that if she starts writing Fitz's fucking book, that's going to come back to bite her in the ass. And she can't even do it in any good way like she she basically is just writing a book as she would write her own stories and somehow thinks that she's going to pull off writing Fitz's voice well and it's you know and it's patronizing to Fitz too because here's this guy he's a grown man he has all this money presumably mm-hmm. you know he wrote his first book he didn't want to write the second book you know he's going through some shit so like having a second book out is Arya's presumption of what he wants and it's not what he wants yeah you know and it's her trying to do something for him but really it's something that's very selfish uh, and it's covering her ass at work you know which which, it has nothing to do with caring about Ezra to me oh no I think you're totally right um and that's and that's probably the most uh salient point to to put forward is that Arya is doing this for herself and she's she's in this position because She's not uh she's not upfront with her employer about her actual relationship with Fitz, which is understandable, but uh then don't work in a job that has you directly doing that. Right. Uh second of all, she's trying to start a new relationship with this guy and she hasn't told him anything about her past. Yeah, it's a the the Liam character who I really like and um I don't know any this guy's definitely a, a New York Jew and there's no I've never met a Jew named Liam, so I'm very confused <laughs> about the decision making. Maybe he's not Jewish. Maybe I'm just, you know, projecting. <laughs> but you know, you have you have this character uh, who I like. I'm inclined to like, uh, and seems like a pretty smart character who's just getting totally flummoxed by by Arya, and like he figures out that she's trying to fake write as his book, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you definitely wrote this," and then. Instead of saying, 
you're in deep shit, he's like, let's just wing it. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Just finish the chapter. Don't we'll figure it out. I love that. I thought that was just like a hilarious and, and, and great uh, plot point. Well, Arya is, is Arya really like that so self-absorbed that she doesn't think that? Yes. That, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the answer, answer, is, the answer yes. is yes. Yeah. She's, she's absolutely a totally self-absorbed character. Because, and I, yeah. oh, go ahead. Well, because, you know, not only does she not think that her boyfriend, who does this for a living, can't recognize her writing style, but she puts in a completely obvious uh, plot point or plot occurrence that is drawn directly from her own experiences that she forgets she experienced with the guy who she's trying to fool. Right. The man with the straw hat. Yeah, which is so fucking dumb. Right. Like, I just, like, come she's on. Like, yeah, she's like, oh, you were there. Oh, oh my God, that. you were there. Oh, That's why I just, I just, I have trouble believing that Arya is a good writer because I just think that she's so stupid. She's just such a stupid well, she's, character. She's self-absorbed. She absolutely is a self-absorbed character. Okay, and and I mean, you, I, I'm, I'm confusing the. I mean, I'm 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 confusing the two. I'm confusing self-absorption with, with uh, with stupidity. But I also get stupidity out of Arya. I don't think that she. That's a totally fair reading. I don't. I don't feel like she has any sort of enlightening or intelligent things to say. And and, and in fact, I think that such a deep lack of self-awareness. I think. It's just stupid. I don't know. Well, I think she remains our, which is ironic because she's supposed to be the most like sort of literary yeah. character. And usually reading makes you a more self-aware person. <laughs> like people re- who read a lot of books and are able to moment. empathize with lots of different characters and so on. Yeah. It should make you more self-aware. It should make you better able to think about the world. It has not really happened in in Arya's case. No, how'd she get to this point? Also, like, are we? Is does the show think this way, or is the show just like people? You have a bunch of writers writing Arya, and they're writing Arya based on instinct, and it just turns out that Arya is just a shitty character. Well, I think you know, like I feel like the show doesn't think that she's shitty, but she does shitty things right. constantly. Right. Well, it would be interesting to see, you know, when this season is over, we should try to break down how the characters fit in relation to each other. Because uh, at the beginning of the show, you know, six seasons ago, they all sort of fit into their little boxes. You mm-hmm. know, um, Spencer's the preppy one. Uh, Arya's the artsy one. Hannah's the, like, popular fashionable one. Um, Emily's the sporty one, mm-hmm. right? And of course, they all deepen and become more complex as the show goes on. And none of them would necessarily fit in those boxes anymore. Um, but the show still has to somehow differentiate them in ways where, you know, they're not all necessarily like wonderful heroic characters, right? Uh, and that's okay. I think that's a good point. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I I think we also can be just aggravated that Arya is a, is a unlikable character. You know, yeah. who continues to make bad decisions. Yeah, and who apparently, um, yeah, I don't know. And I felt bad for Ezra, too, because he comes back from basically just being like, I just had to get the fuck out of town for a few days. Uh, he went to Albany and wrote more of his book, apparently. Right. Um, which Ari's like, Urgh. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, I already uh-oh. I already wrote those chapters. Well, Sorry. Yeah, and there's no that was such a funny scene, the return of Ezra, because he basically says, Yeah, I saw your parents and they asked me to keep the secret. So that 
you know, closes the book on that whole mm-hmm. opening red fl- as as we knew. Yeah. Of course, it wasn't going to be Arya's dad. Of course, it wasn't going to be Ezra. Yeah. Um, but it does set up this thing where Ezra's being honest and saying, "Yeah, I didn't kill anybody, and I was just pissed, and I just didn't know how to deal with it." And then Arya's in the position of, "Well, it cuts off before she has the opportunity to say." So I did this thing that I need to tell you about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, and really granted, funny. Ezra is like, it's good that Ezra is like, yeah, so I totally forgot that I basically have this whole town still under surveillance. I mean, there's probably still a lot of cameras sitting around town, you know. Are there? Are there? I, I wonder. I wonder. I, I would also wonder. I think, you know. Unless he needs some money, so he collected it to sell it. We're, we're When we get to the end of this show, I think Ezra is going to be one of the big missed opportunities of going from this like all seeing psychopath uh, surveillance man to this just wounded, sad, shitty author. So speaking of missed opportunities, I want to, I want to take a moment to point out something uh, that I saw on, I believe it was on Twitter. Um, and this could have been a, a Photoshopped picture, but it came via Lucy Hale and Ian Harding. And it was a picture of Ellen DeGeneres wearing a shirt and and Ezra shirt. Uh-oh. And I was flabbergasted because Ellen is um I'm not like a huge Ellen fan or anything, but she's someone that I respect and yet if this is true, this might just not be true at all. Uh but that seems like a weird thing for them to do on their Twitter account. I am very disappointed in you, Ellen. Very disappointed. <laughs> For supporting a fictional statutory rape relationship. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Just just jumping on the bandwagon of disgusting adults who think that this shit is fucking okay. It's not okay. And I am very disappointed in you, Ellen. There's a lot of young people who look up to you and you are setting a disgusting example. Well, but bad, people, Ellen. Bad. I I agree, but you know I don't think people, because of the nature of the show, people are not. I don't think it's like this. This sort of there's no discussion around the show around that issue. Like in part because it's not seen as a serious prestige TV thing, so you don't have someone at the New Yorker or at New York Magazine or whatever digging really hard into. Let's discuss the problematic aspect of Pretty Little Liars, which is this long, long-standing statutory uh, relationship. Which you think that they would, especially after the the end of six A, in which everyone came out of the woodwork to write about the the handling of a transgender character. I mean, it's like there are a lot of other hot button issues in the show that are worth digging into. Not just the late reveal of a transgender character that was handled poorly. Right. You know, like, you think that now that all the eyes, all of the critical eyes have been put on Pretty Little Liars, that someone would step up, someone would step up and be like, oh, also, there's this other incredibly fucked up thing on the show that no one is commenting about. Well, I don't know if the, you know, I, I, I follow like three or four TV critics I really like, and I don't think any of them still have written about pretty little hires. So I do think it is still seen as this, you know, tween sort of, uh, cheap entertainment. 
And so it becomes very easy for Ellen to not have a whole lot of background on who these characters are, what the relationship is and put on this shirt. I mean, not to defend, not to defend like her lack of research or whatever, but you know, it, it just, it's something that I don't think this is a conversation that is really happening in a mainstream way. Uh, and it leads to situations like this where you have someone endorsing what is like actually a bad, unendorsable thing. Yeah. Which I mean, I don't know really know what there is to say. Like I, I'm, I would just say like I could probably write this thing myself, like right now. But I don't really know what there is to say besides the fact that two points: one, it's wrong; two, people just ignore this. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the essay, right? It would be like you should know that the headline is like you should know that Pretty Little Liars is teaching young women that this horrible thing is okay. Yeah. That it's normalizing this kind of fucked up relationship. Yeah, and, and and basically, yeah, and, and that's a good article. I guess, that, I guess that's someone. True because, someone should write that in because a the re- publication. It's, it's, it's not only normalizing it through, um, having it on this very popular TV show, but it's normalizing it through making this sexual predator a really super nice, intelligent guy, right? You with know? with anger issues, but with anger issues, uh, and now he's a drunk. Um, he loves eating pie and beer. Well, I mean, the drinking beer. Those things are okay. <laughs> I think we can. I think we can all. No, no, Dave. <laughs> we learned pretty little from Pretty Little Liars. Pie and beer is fucking gross. It's gross. It's gross. Uh, that's the one culinary takeaway. The beer pairing. <laughs> the beer pairing takeaway for our future uh, beer sponsors. Uh, I do want to mention Emily's plot, which was like sort of a, a, a not even a B or C plot in the episode, but because uh, they were trying to squeeze so much in. Emily's eggs were maybe stole. Well, number one, Emily did get paid, which we were we were yeah. unclear about. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, number two, she goes to the clinic. It's closed. Somebody cut all the power and the backups and the backups to the backups. Mm-hmm. Ruins thirty people's eggs. So that's a lot of collateral damage out of this episode, which Emily feels guilty about. Yeah. And then Emily just assumes, well, this was obviously to steal my eggs. Yeah, which I think that's rightful. That's a fair assumption. Yeah. And, like, new A has already said, I'll use your eggs. Right. But that could also be, I think that gets back to the golf club issue of, like, what if you're being punked? What if this person is not as omniscient as they as they say they are, and they haven't done all this shit? Right. And this is all just, like, a, bunch, a, a big house of lies. Yeah. And I kind of hope that that's what this ends up being, and it's not someone who, like, is this super genius who was smarter than Charlotte. I hope it, I kind of hope it does end up being like this big bait and switch where it's Sarah Harvey. It was Sarah Harvey the whole time. Mm. And she was just like a shitty villain. Yeah. And that's what happens. I'd be pretty funny. It would be, I think that would be like actually a really, uh, surprise. I mean, not surprising, but it would be like almost like a nice straightforward thing for the show to do to be like, yeah, you thought Sarah Harvey was the villain the whole time. It was definitely Sarah Harvey. You were right. It's it's just of course she was <laughs> like we're not gonna try to twist out of it we're just gonna present it to you like it would be almost subversive for them to just let the let the natural thing be yeah. the thing. Um, do you think? Do you see? I'm 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 only thinking of this right now, but do you see a uh, repeated uh, not theme or but more like a symbol of eggs? I mean, we have Emily's eggs. 
Uh, oh, we have eggs. Hannah's eggs. Ha- yeah, Hannah's eggs uh, when Jordan is threatened. Threatened. I'm trying to think if there are any other eggs that we see, or if that's just a coincid- coincidental kind of. No, that's a good. That's a visual good point. image. There's a lot of there's a lot of eggs going on in this episode. Uh, we'll have to keep our eye, keep an eye out for eggs. We now. will keep an eye out for eggs. I guess the other there's probably some other plot we're missing, but the one thing I do want to say, which was the nice cliffhanger in this episode, is the whole episode Spencer's being told, "Hey, can you go get Melissa's like some number for her planes?" So and she as soon as she's that, we're like, "Oh, she's gonna find something." Right, right. Yeah. Of of course she will, <laughs> and she goes to get. Melissa's uh, baggage and it's broken and a piece is missing and naturally it's the piece that fits the murder weapon description yeah which I love because that takes us back to the Melissa NAT club older older sibling situation Mm -hmm. which I think it you know gets back to Jason who's been absent and has and is a very questionable character who has motives here it gets back to uh, Charlotte's relationship with all those characters, mm-hmm. dating Jason. We think Jason and Melissa may have linked, yeah. you know, and had a relationship. We don't really know what her real relationship was with the NAT club. Right. A lot of those folks were killed by Charlotte. So clearly, I mean, this is sort of like the iceberg under the water of the show to me. It's that, like, I think a lot of the real plot of the show had to deal with those characters' relationships and instead it's spotlighted, it's been about the Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. So maybe the show will dig into that and swerve into, oh, yeah, this was like a big chunk of what was going on the whole time and you just didn't know. Or maybe it will just continue to ignore it and just not let that be a primary thing. But to me, that remains like this huge untouched possibility. I would love it if um, after this whole time uh, – Jason was still somehow communicating with Melissa, entertaining the the love that shall not be named. Um, because, first of all, that would be really hilarious if you have a character on the show who pretty much only falls in love with his siblings. siblings. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something Pretty Little Liars would do. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's Jason behind the murder, uh, but Melissa knows about it. Because uh, Jason, we know, learned what, what like Allison said, he's working at the Karasimi Group now, or something, or uh, something. Yeah. I yes. Think, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Which you know the the this is another little tiny plot in this episode, uh, but I find this excruciatingly boring. Um, which is not, I mean, it's not like it's not it's no one's fault. It's just a a personal thing where I just I think it's bo- a boring plot, which is. Allison just wanting to be normal and just have a normal life. And so she's trying to talk to Dr. Rollins about how, like, I really wanted to just, like, go to a movie and hold hands with you in public. And he's like, oh, okay, we'll talk about this some other time. Yeah, I'm not really sure if this is appropriate <laughs> because just, they have just, to... Just shut up and kiss me. Right they now. have to hide their relationship. Yeah, that whole, you know, and the way the camera pans out as they're kissing out of the window. If someone's, like, looking in. Yeah. Right. It gives you that sort of, oh, someone's going to see this secret and use it against them kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that plot is not the most interesting. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I'm, I like that it's, it's very... It's, it's serviceable. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's 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 true, and it's and I'm, I like that, you know, if you have a character like Allison, you want her to desire something as simple as a normal life because that makes sense. Yeah. You know? I mean... 
I think they're I think the Allison, the character, and I think the actress is doing the best she can with this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think they made a huge. I think just like Ezra, this was another character who was sort of put down a certain path for so long, and then is kind of swerved into this other path, and then just has to roll with that. And it doesn't. She was. I don't think she was really um, treated in the three dimensional way that. Hannah or Emily or any of the liars have been treated by comparison. Mm -hmm. And especially now that she is this central character. I mean, really once she came back, it was almost like they didn't know if she was going to be good. She was going to be evil. They made her do both and then went back. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated by the way they handled her in the, in those last couple seasons before she sort of was like, I'm going to give up on my, manipulative ways and I've seen the error and I'm going to be this very like uh conservative character from now on. Right. You know, I, I just don't think we really got the right catharsis or motivations uh, for those things to happen. But now that they have happened, I think her character this season is fine. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see her be a lot more interesting. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, that said, I think that her doctor boyfriend Dr. Secret Boyfriend. Oh, he's just boring. Is he or is he... I, I, Evil. I, I get something sinister out of him. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. But, you know, it's Pretty Little Liars. It could certainly be a possibility. Because he is so... Every, every other Dr. Seat comes out, ends up being an evil character. He is so dismissive of Allison just wanting to have a normal relationship. Mm-hmm. And you can almost see like his wheels spinning... And she's like, I just want to go to the movies with you, and I just want to hold your hand in public, and I just want to like have dinner and like share a plate of spaghetti with you in public. And he's like, um, but I just want to protect you. Well, the other shut up now, right? I mean, the other thing is that like they have no chemistry. <laughs> I mean, that, that that seems it. like a real <laughs> uh, that seems like a real issue because in the previous episodes it seemed like she was really into it's like, it goes back and forth to me from episode to episode, like which one of them seems into the other. Yeah. Because sometimes it seems like he's really into her and she's like, whatever. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden she's like, no, he's the one I'm really, this is what I want. And in this episode, he seemed way more standoffish. So I, I think that's just like, I don't think they really connect. Uh, I I don't see, I I don't see the sparks. I don't see the sparks flying. Yeah. But you know who does who who does who does have sparks? Who would that be? Caleb and Spencer. Yes, yes, they do. Spencer is just like melted in Caleb's hand. That was a moment. So so Caleb and Spencer have this interaction after Caleb like sp- stalkerly confronts Mona on an elevator and is like, "If you're doing something bad, I'm gonna fuck you up." He's like, "I'm gonna take you apart," which yeah. is such a weird fucking thing to say. And he yeah yeah well and he and Mona's not like uh. Okay, creep. That's really strange. Well, and this is why I think they had some like weird little fling yeah. because he's treating her like a crazy ex girlfriend, yeah. which is like not super mature behavior. And actually, it would be nice if Caleb had some bad qualities uh, and wasn't like this perfect angel boyfriend. Oh, I think he and is. I, I think mean, that's what we're seeing. I mean, that's the thing is that that's that's this this reminded me of Caleb as a as a well rounded character because 
in the flashback, uh, we see... Oh, right. There was also a flashback. There's a flashback we see of um, a sort of spat or probably the end of the relationship between Hannah and Caleb where they're at uh, one of Hannah's sort of fashion formal thingies and uh, Caleb is bored and frustrated. So he's sitting in the alley feeding um, hors d'oeuvres to an alley cat in New York and he and Hannah's just like trying to figure out what's going on and he's being kind of a dick. Right. I mean he's just over it. Yeah. He, like he totally is being a dick. He's not yeah, he's not being supportive or anything. He's just being a dick. And then he walks off and the last thing he says is a very passive aggressive dickish thing to say. Uh you know, like don't don't be a don't turn into a sibyl. Don't um, be one of these fashion industry people. Right. Which is, you know, it makes sense. But it's like that's not, I mean, it's not like Hannah was doing anything wrong. She's just trying to succeed in a world where, that she chose. Right. And he knew that she was going to do that. Now. But it's also, you know, I mean, I think this is something the show is being very realistic about, which is that these characters got together in high school. Yeah. And lots of people go to college and grow apart and grow up. And, you know, you you probably are not going to be the same person and want to be with that and are suited to that high school relationship anymore. Right. And and they they do sort of allude to that when they say I wish we were or I don't remember who says this. I think it's Hannah who says I wish I was back. I wish we were back to a time when we knew what each other wanted and the answer is oh that was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know. But I guess my point is that I it's easy now with Caleb being such a, like a, a a loving, gentle, uh, manly boyfriend type to for to forget that when we first met Caleb, he was kind of a dick, and right. he was a dick for a large part of getting to know him as a character. And it's good to see that he still has a lot of these like really sort of. I mean, and we didn't watch Ravenswood, so we don't know how he was on that show. Heroic. Right, which is just forgetting the fact that like he was a bad boy for a while. He was like he was he was just a dick. He was just he was just kind of an asshole. So yeah, he's an edgy character. Right, right. He's he's the he's the guy who's rough around the edges, who has a heart of gold, but you have to you have to dig through layers of gruff realness to get to that heart of gold. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but it's nice to see that that's still there, especially in these flashbacks, because you know, like that's the kind of character who will get, who who will make stupid decisions who is probably trying to and again we we could be really wrong who is trying to cover up the fact that he made a shitty decision by hooking up with Mona um we're we're going to have to google this after yeah. the after the show but, but yeah but he's so but yeah. he's so weird about it because he that is. stops him as soon as she like threatens him by basically saying like um you know, don't forget that you made out with me or whatever you did with me. Don't forget that because I could say one thing to the wrong person. Like you're acting mighty aggressive and mighty cocky for someone who is harboring the secret. Right. You know, because I, I would imagine that again, could be wrong. I would imagine that Spencer and Hannah do not know that Caleb knows how Mona kisses. Right. Yes. I, I agree. Um, 
Well, I think that cruises through most of this plot. I think this episode was, you know, we were, I was complimentary, I think, last week about <laughs> how, how sort of precise the show has been and balancing everything. And in this episode, you know, things start to get a little wobbly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. They're trying to wrap up old things and start new things. And there's like this whole thing of the Radley situation, which is yeah. pretty nuts. Uh, I mean, we didn't even talk about the confrontation. Two of the liars go down to check out Radley again. Uh, Emily's down there. They're like, oh, who is this? And it's like, oh, it's just Emily. Well, yeah. all right, whatever. It's and Hannah then, and Arya who, who want to go down there. Right. And then there's like no more discussion of it. It's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, so this episode felt a little bit too busy, uh, but I remain very engaged and intrigued to see Melissa come back, even though every time we confront Melissa, she's like, I was just trying to protect you and nothing bad happened and just take my word for it. Cause I'm not going to give you any more information. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it would be nice to go deeper than that. Uh, but maybe we won't again. And, uh, new a might have that video that Melissa sent to Spencer. That's true. Cause that came up. So mm-hmm. that, why would she bring it up unless the show is trying to telegraph to us that, oh, sure, of course she still, of course somebody has it. Right, right. Um, Which makes me think that that person is Sarah Harvey, who would have had access to Charlotte's stuff. That's true. Yeah. It's Sarah Harvey. Okay, oh, we're it's, done. It's Yeah, we're done. All right. Podcast over. Uh, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for listening. We'll never, we'll never, we figured out the, we the mystery. We solved the mystery. It's, it's the thing that the show is actively telling us. Um, <laughs> Thank you for for listening. As always, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you can star us on iTunes. Write a little review if you have a minute. Uh, we are on Twitter. Oh yeah, we're at we're at PLGM Podcast. Um, you can you can check in with us day or night. We will. I mean, we'll respond eventually. We're not. We're, this isn't a twenty four seven Twitter account, but we're here. Yeah, we'll we, check it out. I think uh, that if those of you who know us and have attempted to contact us on Twitter, know that we respond in kind. Well, it's, it's Dom responding. I'm, I've been bad about my, my, uh, PLGM podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, checking. I, I handle, trust me, I handle a lot of, a lot of Twitter accounts that have very little followers. Okay. It's kind of, it's kind of my thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so if you, if you haven't followed us yet, I think we have about, 150 or so followers. 160 followers. Well, that's, you know, we only have about, I think, 300 or so weekly, 350 or so weekly listeners, depending on the week. So, you know, that means half of you probably are following us on Twitter or you're just following a Twitter account for a podcast that you you don't don't listen listen to. to. That's weird. Weird people who aren't hearing this podcast. I mean, if, (laughs) if if you think the content that I'm putting on Twitter is just so fucking gold that you would rather just like communicate with us on Twitter and not listen to us actually talk. Let's That's let's fine. Let's ask those Twitter people if they're actually listening to the podcast. <laughs> Cause those, you know, I, I assume those people have a lot of free time here. How about this? If everyone who followed us on Twitter, uh, gave us a star rating on iTunes, we would blow up like no one's business. That's not going to work out. That's no. not going to work out. If everyone who actually subscribed to our podcast, were to give us a star rating. You don't even have to like uh, review us. I just drop know, some stars. Just drop some stars. Drop some five star action. Yeah, seriously, five stars the best. Four stars, pretty good. 
pretty good. But any rating is better than none because it just makes the iTunes algorithms notice us. Yeah, we want to be featured on iTunes one day. Well, someday. It's our it's our goal. And then we can get an actual beer sponsorship for all of our over 21 Yeah, we won't listeners. have to keep calling it fake sponsors. <laughs> Maybe we get beer sent to us. Well, Mazama, hint, in, hint. Yes, Mazama. Uh, until next week, uh, thank you again. And we have, this was episode six of this season, right? Of this half season. So we only have like a month left. Yeah. We're cruising right to the finale. We have finale. like four episodes left. And I guess we'll see if this mystery extends into season seven or if they're actually going to give us a finale. Uh, yeah, there's there's uh, there's social media talk that they've they've started brainstorming the the new season seven. They have the writers room, the writers room mill is working. Mm, well, yeah. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Uh, but send us your theories. Say hi on Twitter. Yeah. Until uh, next week, star us on iTunes, bitches. Don't cut, cut my secret.